Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 232 of the podcast. Yeah. And today we are talking about uh, some myths, right? Some things that uh, you sometimes hear the gurus talk about, some ways to make money and how easy reselling is and how you can, you know, get a million dollars and drive a Ferrari and get your own private jet. Uh, and we're also going to be talking about uh, some of the things that people hate on with reselling and why they're wrong. Uh, so we'd like you to, in the comments below, let us know uh, what's the like your biggest pet peeve when it comes to like the gurus? Because I'm sure if you're watching our YouTube and you've got ads, you probably see some of the those those someone pulling up in their Lambo, or maybe they're even being humble. They're humble bragging. They're like, I'm not going to stand here in front of a Lambo and tell you that I make a bunch of money. You've seen that ad. Yeah. yeah. So there's all of those. Um, But what's your biggest pet peeve? Like, what's the thing that you think is like the biggest uh, misunderstanding about reselling as far as that goes? Let us know in the comments. And while you're doing that, uh, make sure to like and subscribe, okay? Because we are putting out a lot more content. And if you hit that notification bell after you subscribe, you will get notified uh, when we produce new videos. And I think that'd be really helpful so that you know, hey, Pierce Podcast just put out something new. So like, subscribe and hit that bell notification uh, and uh, that would be super amazing. Now, before we get started, I do want to share we have a new sponsor affiliate to the podcast and I was waiting on this one. A lot of you that follow us on Instagram had noticed I had shared these big old like, I don't know if it was, no, it was four feet. I was going to say seven feet. That'd be pretty massive, but still four feet is pretty big. A bubble wrap and a lot of people were asking me, where'd you get that from? And I kind of was like, yeah, I don't know if I can share yet. Trying to work a sponsorship deal. And finally, was able to connect with AmericanBubbleBoy.com. They're an incredible company. They were just trying to get things sorted out and they wanted to wait for the right moment. So AmericanBubbleBoy.com is the best deal for bubble wrap on the internet. We're not just saying that because they're sponsoring us. I personally buy from American Bubble Boy. You can get 700 square feet, $39.99, free shipping. If you're close enough, you can get next day shipping because they've just opened warehouses in different parts of the country. So we have no you know, special promo code or anything, but if you use the direct link in this YouTube, you will be able to get that for $39.99. It's cheaper. If you go to Amazon, you're going to be paying $5 extra. There's Amazon fees. But if you go directly through our link, you'll get that great pricing and it's quality stuff. Yeah. And it's still going to be free and you're still going to get it in the same time you'd get it through Amazon. The shipping will be free. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Shipping will be free. Well, I guess I should have clarified that. Uh, but all right. So thank you so much. Uh, so I think we're going to be talking about these gurus first before we get to the haters. And I'll tell you what, I've got some uh, some big pet peeves when it comes to the haters. But uh, what do we got first with these gurus? I, I do want to share something, though, before we get started. So I appreciate the feedback. Like, you know, we wanted to do these whole like have a TikTok on the side and just, you know, just I I don't know if the right word is lay waste or just blast off people but you know a lot of you said that's not kind of your brand heard some people on social media tell us that too and and, and we, we agree and we still well, may do maybe we, yeah maybe. we'll see we we'll still see. do but i thought this was a, a healthy discussion that we could have yeah about these so instead of calling out like specific people and saying like this person is selling you a a uh uh bunch of nonsense, a bunch of malarkey and pretending like it's... Who uses the word malarkey anymore? Who knows? Uh, but uh, pretending like it's great. Uh, you know, instead of saying their name, we're just going to give concepts and ideas that are pretty general and you'll know. You'll know it when you see it. And uh, I think it's a, a nicer way to be honest. And if we're wrong, maybe there's a couple of these that you say, uh, you know, like I, actually there's some truth to that or uh, maybe there's some that we don't cover, we don't talk about. Again, let us know in the comments because uh, we'd love to have Part that discussion two. going. Yeah. All right. So the first one that I hear all the time is anyone can do it. Well, well, more specifically, 
it's so easy. Anyone could do it. Because That's honestly, true. I forgot about the easy part. Because honestly, you know, most people, pretty much anybody can't, right? And, and, and you got to qualify that with, um, when you say anybody, you're assuming that anybody's going to take the right steps. That they're going to be willing to make the sacrifices necessary. And anybody is capable of that, but most people aren't willing to. And the idea is trying to sell reselling as easy. Now, compared to a lot of businesses, I would have to agree that reselling is relatively easy. I it's mean, it's easier. It's simple. I, I, I And here's the thing. I often have, um, at the beginning of a school year, I, I do this writing prompt where I have students describe the difference between simple and easy. And there is a difference, right? Because simple means it's not complex. There's not uh, tons of steps involved. Whereas easy means that it's not uh, it's not challenging. And the reality is reselling is relatively simple. You You find something that doesn't cost a lot of money and you buy it and you sell it for more than you bought it for, right? Like that's a simple concept. Uh, but going out every day and doing the grind and doing the research and learning how to ship and dealing with customer service and learning new platforms, that can be a little bit of grind and hard work and challenge. Uh, it's it's simple, but it's not always easy. True. And so I wanted to share this too, that many of you are new and you came across our podcast, specifically if you came from TikTok. Right now, any new kind of social media that pops up on the scene is when all the gurus show up. I mean, you see it in Clubhouse. If you've been able to get on Clubhouse, on Clubhouse, it's like how to make $1 million on Amazon, how to leave your nine to five, how to do this, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, you can do this. But it is, it is a hustle. And so a lot of these are kind of interconnected that we're going to talk about these comments. But I wanted to reiterate the fact that whether it's you are reselling from the thrift, garage sales, we're going to talk about drop shipping a little bit, whether you're doing drop shipping, private label, it all does take work. It takes some kind of organization. It takes some kind of hustle. It takes a constant diligence to the matter. It talked. You know, one thing I talk about all the time is having a pivot. It's not, uh, you know, one size fits everyone. And you know, here you go, get the eBay app, just show up in a thrift store and within moments you're going to come out and you're going to make a ton of profit. Now, are there those instances where, you know, your first time in, like Mike experiences, if you go to episode one, right? Mike be picked careful up, going to episode one. <laughs> no, do be careful. But you picked up an item you can, you flip for like close to a hundred. Yeah. Right. And you picked up a, there was a Doug decoy in there. I mean, you had, you had some sweet funds. I don't believe in luck, but in that scenario, that was. That was luck. Yeah. I mean, it, you did have to search though. It yeah, did take and, some work. And in my defense, uh, we, we probably went to, to 25 garage sales that day and a thrift store. That so is I'm going to find something. That is, that is true. That is true. And there was some guidance from Orlando too. But yeah. honestly, there wasn't a lot of guidance. You went after stuff that I wasn't even going to look for. Right. That's right. So I want to reiterate the fact that yes, just because, you know, you see a video and and people are flexing and like, hey, I picked up this thing at the thrift for a dollar and I sold it for 50. That is not the day to day. I can tell you right now. I mean, I, I had I, I did have a terrible day where I think I made thirty dollars and I'm a full time person. So thirty dollars, if I were to have thirty dollars in sales every single day, this is on eBay, by the way, I do have other platforms, but on eBay, at that's it. I'd be in a really tough place, right? So it requires work. It requires me listing. It requires me constantly sourcing. It requires me looking at inventory and going, okay, do I need to drop the price on this? So I need to make sure that I'm sourcing differently. Am I, am I sticking to my old ways? It's, it's not as easy as it seems, but it is definitely doable. Yeah. And one of the things that I think why a lot of people get a little bit disheartened when it comes to reselling is, um, 
we I've heard recent studies where people are kind of trying to figure out like the amount of work people are doing, the kind of work that people are doing. And more and more people are working longer hours, they're putting in more effort at work. And they've kind of come to the conclusion that I don't remember the exact numbers, but all these recent studies, Pew studies, and uh, they basically said that people, even employers, but especially the employees kind of look at the work they're doing and they kind of say it's, it's, it's easy ish in the sense of like, it's, I'm not really accomplishing much. doesn't take a lot of work and it's kind of pointless. I'm doing a lot of pointless work mm. that doesn't even really benefit anybody. And most people in, in workplaces are only putting in a couple of hours of actual work. Right. They're putting in a couple hours of work and then they spend a lot of time no on comments. YouTube. They put a lot of time on, you know, whatever it is that they, they, they spend a bunch of time, you know, texting, talking to people at the water cooler, playing on YouTube, being on Instagram on their Listing phone. Listening on eBay. Yeah. And yeah, well, that would be nice. Uh, but they're only doing a couple of hours of work. Now, that doesn't mean everybody. Some people are, are, are they have difficult jobs. You're a construction worker and you're moving heavy stuff all day long. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're in an office where it's just nonstop. You're a lawyer or something like that. So not everybody, but but a lot of people who are stuck in the nine to five kind of just say like, it feels like my job takes forever because I'm watching a clock and it's like, I've got four more hours. I've got two more hours. And they, they think that that reselling in a sense is going to be, well, you know, it's going to just be a lot of doing nothing. Well, the good thing about reselling is the work you put in is going to benefit, but you're going to actually have to work for eight hours in a day if you want to go full time to start with. Right? Especially, like, yeah. And we'll talk about that. But in the beginning, yes, it's, it's a lot yeah, of work. You can't just like put in two hours of work and then six hours of just scrolling on your phone, right? Like you can do at a nine to five job and nobody really notices. So that I think is part of the problem is, is, is you're actually going to have to work the hours that, uh, you know, you might not be working now. Yeah. So is it doable? Yes. Can you get to a place that anyone can do it? Yes. But there's, there's like the asterisk, right? There's, there's the hustle, there's a time involvement, there's the ability to pivot, there's the dedication and plenty of other things that you could put in that footnote. Now, the other one, I, I, this is the one I love the most. So this is more geared towards Amazon, but I'm seeing this so much. I'm going after these TikTok gurus because I just, I just, it bothers me because TikTok is aimed towards a, a younger generation. I feel so old saying that, but you know, it's, it's very much Gen Z focused for the most part. Right. And you know, you see people like, yeah, you go into Marshall's and, and they take out their phone and they scan. They're like, Hey, this item, it costs five bucks and it's selling for 20. And you know, after fees, I'm going to make $14 or something like that. I mean, not, I'm being exaggerated, but, and here's the thing. It is not that easy. It is, it is definitely, definitely risky if you're going in and you're paying, even on Amazon, even if you're buying something for five and you're selling it for 20, that is still risky because you have to count the fact that, okay, Amazon is going to take their fees. All right. So if they take their fees, let's say they take 25%. So you paid $5 for the item. And then let's say eBay takes, you know, Amazon, I mean, sorry, Amazon, Okay, let's. I'm going. It's generally about thirty percent, right? But let's go with twenty percent for this one, right? So, out of five dollars, a dollar fifty, right? So now we're up to six fifty, and then on top of that, you have to ship the item. So let's say it costs you fifty cents, right? You have seven dollars, right? And then on top of that, let's say you get some returns, right? And those returns are for for the most part, it, it's going to be a loss unless you're able to, you know, fix something. You're able to sell it on eBay. It's a hot product. And here's the one that the gurus are not telling you. There's two of them. One is when Amazon gets on the listing, it will tank the price immediately. Right? I mean, we've all been, you know, this is not an unknown bolo, the Mr. Potato Heads. Okay. Well, 
no longer Mr. Potato Heads. Rest in peace. No, they're back. It, Are they back? It didn't actually change. Oh, it didn't change? Yeah. I thought it changed. Okay, I was about to say R.A.P. But, okay. And, and by the way, Mr. Potato Head. Anyways, all right. So, Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head, they were selling for good money. And you can get them on Amazon, and the ranking was super low. But here's the thing. Guess who got on that rank? Who get on, got on the item? Amazon. And Amazon was selling it for, I believe it was $7.99 or $8.99. And if you could find them at Walmart, they were $5 and you could resell them. I was able to find a few. You could resell them on Amazon for like 20 to 30 bucks. On eBay, if you had both potato heads, you can sell it for 40. But eBay is not going to jump on the listing, right? Yeah, but other resellers will. But 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 Correct. when it comes to Amazon, for instance, yeah. So I, I think that's one big thing. Amazon jumping on the listing. And I was going to get to the same one. Go ahead, though. So um, that that is a, a big thing. But a lot of times... You know, these TikTok people, they're going in, maybe they're finding something on clearance. So it might not necessarily be something oh, that Amazon is going to is going to put on on, you know, they're going to jump on the listing. But like my wife and I, when we were first looking at trying to do Amazon, we find an item. It's five dollars at Target. And we're like, oh, my goodness, this sells for eighteen dollars on Amazon. But like you're saying, once you count in the cost, it's going to be for us to ship it to them. Once they take their fee, once, you know, the ship, all of that, it's like our actual profit is like fifty five cents. So yeah, a lot of times they'll show you like buy this for five, it sells for seventeen, and it's like, well, your profit isn't really there. So yeah, you got to be careful because but they even don't if always it show is, you everything. but even if it is, let's say Amazon never gets on the listing. Once other sellers get on the listing, it will be a race to the bottom, mm. right? And I can tell you, I have lost thousands of dollars with that in the sense that, you know, I got in and there were maybe ten sellers on it. And by the time somebody on TikTok or Instagram or on social media or a cook group, especially cook groups, once cook groups get a hold of it, it's pretty much the end. Because what happens is you have, you know, loose lips, sink ships, right? And I don't know what we'll say for cook groups, but once you get two or three people in the cook group sharing with other people outside of the cook group, there, there's no stopping that wildfire of information. And so that information takes off and the listing just goes down and down and down and down. And then you're playing a stop loss game where you're just trying to prevent your losses from happening. And so when you watch these, you got to be careful. It's not as easy as going in and scanning and going, hey, this is profitable. All right, sending us off to Amazon and I'm going to make a whole lot of money. This is why a lot of Amazon sellers go to wholesale because it's safer, right? There's only so many people purchasing wholesale, which kind of now I think it's getting even more competitive because a lot of people that were doing wholesale now have showed people how to do wholesale. And so now they're figuring that out. And it's really, there's not much to wholesaling. You just got to Google wholesale companies and just find the right connection and you can start doing that. And by the way, I'm not a guru. I'm not selling a course. I'm just saying this has always been around. It's just a lot of people, you know, taking those steps is a difficult one. But I want you to be careful. Now, are there items where I can have gone in? And for example, this last Q4 where I found something for 50 bucks and it was selling for $300 and there was only like 10 people on the listing and I was able to sell, you know, about 70K. Yes, that does happen. The clippers, right? The clippers that I talked about in multiple times, I found those at a Costco. I paid 35. They're selling for 90 at its peak. And I was able to make, I forget how much money, but I made several thousand dollars. I think it was close to, uh, no, it was over 50K. I don't remember what it was, 57K. And yes, those do happen, but it that took a lot of work. It took a lot of sourcing. It took several hours. I had to travel throughout the country. Uh, and, you know, you just, when it comes to those smaller items, it's hard. Now, the last part, and I'll, we'll move on from this one, is 
not everybody's ungated. And yes, I know now we have the ability. I mean, we've talked about some of the wholesale sources that you can get distribution from. You can get those invoices, but there's more to it. Like Amazon right now. And we talked about this in the last podcast has been dropping all these compliance notices on everyone. And I've had plenty of my Amazon listings pulled. Luckily, I sold through those items and I'm just selling some of the leftovers on Amazon or, you know, locally. But I'm, t- I'm telling you, you got to understand it is not that easy. It takes a lot of work. And yes, they may sell you uh, invoices. But if, if Amazon ever comes around and starts investigating, might be in for some hurt. So be aware. Now, a lot of money made on Amazon. I make a ton of money on Amazon. But what I'm trying to dispel is the myth that it's super easy as going into a store and scanning and finding something profitable. All right. Drop shipping. Ooh, this is uh so yeah, a lot of times people talk about like this is the easiest way. And to be honest, I don't have experience as a drop shipper. I don't have any experience using the tools, the bots, and I know there's a lot that goes into it. So in some ways I'm almost talking out of ignorance because I don't know that world. But to be honest, I've seen enough of the advertisements that are similar to stuff that I do know about. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of seems scammy to me. Uh, now I'm sure there are ways to do drop shipping well. And I'm sure that there's drop shipping are the Lambo people. Yeah, I believe <laughs> that. Yeah. So um there there are probably ways to do some some kind of drop shipping in a in a decent way uh, and to, to be profitable on it. But again, it seems like a lot of work and a lot of upfront money. It seems like uh, to do it well, you're probably paying a bunch of money. You're probably making very small margin returns. Uh, so again, all it takes is one or two things to go wrong. You're stuck with it, right? So let's say I'm drop shipping between two, two parties and the customer wants to return. Well, now I might be the one stuck Fitting, footing the bill. Right? Let me, so. Let's rewind for Let's explain dropshipping because we may have a lot of people. So dropshipping is, you'll see these videos. So there, there's basically two ways to dropship. There's one where you go to Alibaba, you go AliExpress, you find, you find an item that's super cheap, that's selling for a good amount on Amazon or on eBay. And then you end up, you know, connecting it with another store. You create a Shopify or you use Amazon or eBay, which Amazon, eBay both have rules that, are very clear about they do not want drop shipping to happen, even though it still does happen. Okay. And, or Shopify, which it's allowed. And so you have that connection between that store. And so something sells that intermediary, a website ends up, you know, taking care of the sale for you contacts, you know, whatever Chinese company, whether it's Alibaba or AliExpress purchase it and ships it to the individual. Or you have the other way where you have a direct connection. You find something on Walmart, you take those pictures and you post it in your eBay or in your Amazon. And then when it sells, you use, for example, there's various ways, but at Walmart will ship the item to that person. You're not directly shipping it. Walmart is Home Depot. And there's all kinds of automation to have this happen where you literally aren't doing much to it. Yeah. I had some interesting drop shipping. I'm I'm like 90% sure. So and I'll probably talk about this on our next update episode, but uh, let's just say I had a, a, a book that I was selling that was a, a hot item, a really, really, really hot item uh, over the last week. And uh, there was a lot of like, you know, just just news and interest on this item. And uh, it sold like pretty, pretty quickly at like my full asking price. But the person who bought it had zero feedback. And their question was, how fast can you ship this? I get paid tonight I'll pay or I get paid tomorrow and I'll send you the money. And so I go, great, this isn't going to be an mm. I'll pay. But then they never ended up paying, never went through. Then we were able wow, to relist so you it. had drop shippers so, on the bay. So here's what I think was happening. I think th- that this account was set up to buy a bunch of, can you imagine one account buys 
five of these items and then lists all five of them for hire. This must have been a bot. It, it may have been, right? And so, uh, you know, to me, I understand what was happening. It kind of makes sense. And 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 I can understand maybe doing this. At the, the problem is it was like a, a nobody's account. Now, if I want to buy something and speculate, I'm buying this item for $300 and I think it's going to go up to $400. So by the time this person from eBay sends it to me, I'm going to relist it and I'm going to sell it for more, right? That's that's fine. We do that. That's eBay arbitrage. But if you're trying to do it before you even pay and say, I'll pay you in a little bit and you list it. And as soon as it sells, then you pay them and you make the that, that shipment happen. That's maybe in some ways it seems like less risk. But what you're really doing is you're tying up that person who you're, you bought it from. Like it really stinks because now my item's tied up and, you know, I'm, I can't relist it until I get the cancellation and then I, then I have to relist it and, and it's a nightmare. So it, it can be frustrating when people try those things. Uh, but, you know, that I don't think that's the level of, of drop shipping that the Lambo peeps are talking about. But I can imagine that if you had a bot doing that, if you had an eBay bot that was buying pretty much every item in a category and then that person, whoever it is, is the one relisting them. Now they own all 30 of them that are listed right now at a much higher price and they only end up paying for the ones that sell. Like, it's kind of ingenious. Okay, so, and again, I, so are we dispelling the myth? No, I'm just joking. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you know? it obviously didn't work because I didn't get my money, so nobody bought it. Oh, okay, so I mean, let me share to you why. I always say there are exceptions to the rule to all of these, right? I mean, th this wouldn't be a thing unless it actually worked for someone at some point or multiple people. And there are people, I actually do know a handful of people that do drop shipping and they're successful. I also know a lot of people, I've been personally involved with a lot of people who have had experience with drop shipping and it's been a complete failure or it's just, it was too much. So there's actually some influencers out there who were drop shippers and now they just sell like Nike shoes because it was better to have a real product in their hand that they had control over. Here's some things. If you drop ship, there, there's a lot of you are trusting a lot, right? You're trusting that point A is going to ship to point B and there's not going to be any problems. You're also trusting that the person who ends up buying the item is going to seek a return. And, you know, you might say no returns, but as we know, most platforms are going to want you to accept returns, right? Especially if, if it's something that, you know, you're breaking the rules at. Also, there's a lot of suspensions that happen that people don't talk about. You can get suspended very easily on Amazon and on eBay and multiple platforms. Okay. There's also the idea if you are dropshipping from China, you have no control over the shipping that happens. And I had a friend personally, good friend of ours who was dropshipping jerseys from China to America and their feedback went in the tank once their distributor was unable to ship things on time. Also, we have some, some of our listeners have shared to us uh, that they were drop shippers and the, the amount of money that they had to pay for Facebook ads just to get the product out there, just to get, you know, things in front of, you know, people on, on mobile phones and computer screens it sucked up a ton of their money where they were only maybe, maybe making five to 10% and they stopped drop shipping and they found that reselling Right. What we talk about day in, day out, whether it be retail arbitrage, whether it be going to thrift store, garage sales, even, you know, wholesale or pallets was far more profitable than drop shipping could ever be uh, because they were losing a ton of money. And it wasn't guaranteed that just because they spent all that ad money, that sales were going to come through. So in preparing for this, I was thinking about like, OK, do I need to pull up articles I discuss? I, I, I was I decided not to do all that because I think that 
it's pretty self-evident. All you have to do, you go to these TikTokers, you go to the Instagram people that are doing all this drop shipping, just dig a little deeper. Find out how much are their courses, right? If there's they're selling their courses for a ton of money, it's probably a reason why, right? They're probably not doing drop shipping for the sake of that's what made them wealthy. It's the courses that you're buying is what make them wealthy. And actually there's an NPR report about that that they they actually researched and researched. And they found out that most dropshippers, the money that they make doesn't come from their reselling, comes from the courses that they're selling on dropshipping. Yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves is like back in the day, the infomercials with like, you can buy houses and property and whatever it is for, for pennies on the dollar. You can, for a thousand dollars, this person, they show like, you know, person after person talking about what they bought. So if you take our course for a hundred dollars, we'll teach you how to do this. And I'm thinking if this is true. If if you have a, a secret way to buy houses for a thousand dollars, and you're selling the course to people, your competitors on how to do this for a hundred dollars, it makes no sense. Like if if it was so easy and automated, if the drop shipping was basically you can just set it and mm-hmm. forget it, and the more you put in, like if I just dial it up a little bit more and I'm willing to put in a little bit more money and it automates and I'm making way more, then I'm not worried about creating a course and trying to get competitors on this. I'm just going to let that do its thing, right? So anything that's trying to create competitors in that way, Orlando and I really aren't worried about creating competitors when, when it comes to things like we're going to garage sales, we're going to thrift stores and we're picking up unique items. And we do get a lot of flack from people saying like, well, why don't you tell us what you're, you're getting with retail arbitrage? Well, it's because we, we recognize we want to teach people how to fish and knowing that 90% of people who hear what we say, not our listeners per se, but like people who just hear about reselling aren't going to go out and do it. Right. And, and we're not, so we're not going to say like, Hey, go to the store, buy this thing. You're going to make a bunch of money uh, because we want people to realize it is work. We want to teach you how to do it. And we're not really creating competitors in that sense because uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing and you're going to have well, to go out and do it. Yeah. You can't find that one-off item. Right. Now, if we did a retail arbitrage, it wouldn't take much. Right. And right. so that's why things like the drop shippers, when they're like, I can show you how to do this really quick. You can do this, basically any item in this store. You can, well, then do that. Like, don't make a course, right? Like if you can make millions. Like, why are you trying to get a hundred bucks from me? I don't know. I just read many of those TikToks where it's like, I don't know if you've seen them where it's like, somebody's like, well, you know, you can make a lot of money in drop shipping, and then they get up in that music, the intense music coming background. Well, why don't you do it then? If you're able, actually, we have one like that. But you know, I, I it's true, it's true. And so, look at it. We ourselves. I mean, there may be a day where we do sell something at some point in time. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I'm I'm very opposed to that personally. Because I always want, I think there's something to be said about the integrity of us providing content without requiring the people that need the money to get money from it, to pay us to figure out how to make that money. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said, though, I think, for like groups in the sense of like, um, let's say let's say we were to start a group and we mm-hmm. say like we've got a, we've got. 25 open slots and we're going to do a three month group and we're going to keep you accountable. We've, we've had people on who have groups like that. I think that's great because when you got a little bit of skin in the game and you're like, I had to pay a hundred dollars for this. Oh, I agree. agree. Now I'm going to, I'm going to go to the zoom call, right? Because I've, I've paid money for it and I want to hear what they say. And then I'm going to know that you're taking my advice seriously. And when I'm looking at your store and if, if it's just for free and there's no skin in the game, you know, you're probably not going to change. That's why people pay, you know, for, to do those types of things and they're more successful. Uh, But yeah, when it's, when it's, Hey, I'm going to, if you pay me $100, I'll give you an automated bot system that's going to make you tens of thousands. That's a very different thing. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, we spent a lot of time on that. All right, I love this one because this one, I, it's just, again, I say this because maybe Orlando has it all wrong, but the idea that you can go full-time in no time. 
And I will say that is possible, but it is the exception rather than the norm. Okay. Now there's different tiers. I think there's a greater chance of going full-time reselling. I believe if you sell on Amazon, because you're able to scale a lot faster, but it requires a lot, right? It's going to, we talked about the ungating we talked about being able to get the inventory. We talked about jumping through all of Amazon's hoops and a lot of you comment below, let us know. I mean, I know there are people that listen to us and said, Hey, Orlando, we were all Amazon and now we've shifted to eBay because it was crazy on Amazon. I believe, and I believe that to be true myself. Okay. Now, did Amazon give me the opportunity to go full-time? It did. In the beginning, it did. If you listen to the podcast, when we were first beginning, I was very much like most of my income came from Amazon. And then over time, as I built my eBay store, I started removing myself from Amazon because the hammer of Amazon drops at any time and you don't see it coming. But going full-time takes a lot. And we, we have episodes on this, but there's a lot you have to consider. It's not about just finding items and reselling them. All right, you have to think about the 401k you may be walking away from. You have to think about the medical insurance you're walking away from. You have to think about all the benefits. You have to think about the steady paycheck that you're getting, right? Are you willing to, you know, give a few days? I just mentioned that you may have a day or two where you make less than $100, right? Or, you know, if you're full-time, right, and and you're taking major risk on Amazon, are you willing, like I, I myself have done, to go out and buy something, you think you're going to make a ton of money, you spend several thousand dollars and lose several thousand dollars. Are you willing to do that? Right? If you're married with children, are you willing to do that? Right? Because it gets even, I think that the weight of the matter becomes even greater, right? When you involve a significant other and you involve children, right? Hey, if I was 20 and on my own, I think I would take a ton of more risk, right? Because you can always rebuild. Right. But, you know, if you're older, kind of like me, I hate saying this, but I don't feel like I'm old, but at 41 and, and I do have children I take care of. Like, you're just getting to your prime, man. You, oh, you I think I am in my prime. Short. No, I believe that. I believe that. But it, it's not that easy. I mean, it took me several years of part time to go full time on eBay. Right. I had to understand the processes. I had to understand how to ship quickly. I had to understand how to organize my inventory. I had to figure out what is the best way to source. Like all those things took time to develop. It wasn't an all time. It took a lot of time. Right. Even Amazon, I would say Amazon took me a few years to finally figure out, okay, here's the best way to do Amazon. Okay. So things take time. Are there exceptions? Are there entrepreneurs that you'll find on social media that just picked it up quick? There are. There really are. And I have great respect for those individuals. I think some people are gifted more than others in reselling. Right. But the fact of the matter is, is you have to be able to understand everything that it encompasses for you to go full time. It's not as simple as just, hey, finding the right items and selling them. There's a whole lot more tied into going full time in no time. It's good. I agree. All right. And this and this last one, I think it's a pretty simple, simple one, but I hear this all the time about passive income. Yeah. And, and is there such thing as passive there, income there at all, is, you think? There okay. is. There is passive income, but it's not what a lot of people think. Like you can. So let's say you you have enough productive property, intellectual rights to something. Let's say you you own the copyright on something uh, and you got money trickling in, right? Okay. You, you do all something right. one all time right. and, and then money trickles in. And here's another example. Uh, for instance, I'll give you like a practical. So uh, there was when I first started getting into buying 
uh, buying stocks. I'm really big on value investing and buying drip stocks and buying stocks that have dividends, dividend stocks. And so just to give you an example, if, if you buy, when I first started, I don't know what the numbers are now because I don't have a lot of AT&T, but when I first got into it, I was buying AT&T. And for about every $100, a little bit under $100, I was making a little bit over $3 a year in dividends. That's a 3% return. So if you've got $100 invested, you're making $3. You got $1,000, you are making $30. If you get it all the way up to a million dollars, you're making $30,000 a year, right? And you still own that capital. like, And as the stock goes up, you're still making money. So if you could live off of, let's say you had $2 million, your parents just gave you $2 million when you were young, you invest it all in, in AT&T or some dividend stock, and you're making 60 grand a year for the rest of your life, you don't have to do anything. Um, and, and you're not even touching the capital. Yeah, that's passive income. Yeah. But the idea that um, it's easy to get, I mean, think about that, $2 million in order to have enough passive income to like make an okay living. And of course there's ways to make more than that, but if you're if you're thinking that you're going to be able to like pull in six figures off passive income, you, the the amount of capital or the amount of an intellectual property that you own to be making that kind of money is astronomical. Like you I mean, maybe if you're a musician that was really famous and you put out a bunch of albums that are still selling, you're making a living off of passive income, but at some point you put in the work or you had enough capital. So uh, it's it's not just like, hey, join my program and you're going to make passive income like that is passive income means your money's working for you. And the more money you have working for you, yeah, the more money you're going to have coming in. But unless somebody says, hey, you're a multimillionaire, let me invest your money and you'll be making passive income. I could believe that. of like, all right, I could live off passive income if I've got enough little soldiers doing my work for me. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, pay $100 for this course and I'm going to have passive income. No. Yeah. And so in recently you hear this a lot and I think everything we've talked about up until this point kind of disproves this automatically. Like we don't, we don't need to go further into it. Right. But you know, th there's a lot, there's no such thing as passive income, even with the drop shipping, right. There, there's still work that needs to be done. And then what if your supplier falls off? Right. What if, what if, you know, for example, I mean, during COVID, I think a lot of drop shippers lost money. And I know a lot of lo drop shippers that lost money, because, you know, the supply chain from China broke down right now. I know that's a black swan event, but there's a lot of handholding. There's a lot of oversight. But there, like I said with Mike, there is a lot of passive income. For example, I know people that do affiliate links and, you know, they've hired people to just take care of those and manage those. And they're OK. They're making money. Right. But it requires a lot, it requires a lot of lifting. But in reselling, if you're looking to get passive income from reselling, I, I don't think it's the right place to, to try to get passive income. I, I, I will say, is this the right word? Your life can become a little more passive. Is that the right word? Right. So, for yeah. example, OK, like when I first started reselling, I did have those, eight, you know, those 80 hour weeks, right? especially when I went full time. Now. There's certain days maybe I'll devote two hours to reselling. Some days I'll devote six. And sometimes I may have a 14-hour day. Like today, today I literally did maybe 45 minutes of work reselling. I had a few items that, that sold and I packaged them. I did zero listing. I did zero sourcing. I, you know, I, I spent time with my kids. I got the podcast to record. Early this morning, I, I had a class I had to teach. I teach a class once a week. And then I had a, a bunch of errands I had to run. I just, you know, but it was okay. I wasn't stressed about like, oh man, I have to work right now or I'm not going to make any money. I know the money's going to come in because I have a big enough inventory that I know sales are going to happen. And I know once I get back onto the listings tomorrow and I start listing again heavily, 
I'm going to be okay. So my life is a little more passive. You'll notice on, on Instagram stories, I do travel more uh, as the weather gets warmer, right? And so I'm not always locked into listing all the time. And so, yes, can you get a little bit more passive? Sure. But it took a lot of work for me to get there, right? And again, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not a super, you know, super wealthy guy. I do make, I make, I do well. <laughs> I'm okay. I pay the bills and I, and a little more and I enjoy my life. And my life is a little more passive, but it took a lot for me to get to that place. Nice. And we're about ready to get into our hustle of the week section. But before we get there, I uh, just want to let you know what we're going to be talking about next. And it's some of my biggest pet peeves. And it's the uh, the hate that people give towards resellers. And man, it really grates me when, when people have negative things to say about resellers. And it comes from a place of them not understanding what reselling is. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that in just a minute. But before we get there, uh, let's move on. Come to on, hustlers. Hustles of the week. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. So our first hustle comes from Frank IG handle at I keep it so real. There's an underscore in between. Yeah. Uh, underscore uh, at the it. Um, so we had a deli slicer pop up on Facebook Marketplace for $225. Uh, so he let the person know to contact him if he had any other items to sell. So he sold a, uh, probably going to say this wrong, Barisba SE12 Gravity Feed Manual Meat Cheese Turkey Deli Slicer. <laughs> For $1,189 plus 89 cents and shipping delivered it locally though, which is nice. Uh, so man, that is a, uh, that's a sell. You gotta, I mean, unless you're in the industry and you know, like I, I know for a fact I can, I can sell this restaurant equipment. Cause that's really what that is. This is like restaurant quality equipment. Um, so maybe you had some background knowledge, but yeah, like the big items like that. And the fact that you, you paid 225 bucks for it and you sold it for, 1100 bucks, that's a win. And there's a couple of things too. It's risky because this was in during COVID, mm. right? So there's a lot of restaurant machinery that's on clearance right now that's on sale because at what, maybe we're just talking about California, but I know in California, there's a lot, right? And on top of that, I, I do like uh, the price in there, 89.89, right? So was he trying to like separate himself from the you competition? Get, get in someone's head, with all the little things you can do. Right, so thank you, Frank, for sharing that one. Yeah, so real. All right, so we have a repeat uh, hustle of the week. Uh, I, I thought Cosmic Deal Heather, who have one time we called Cosmic Deal yeah, Hunter. AKA Cosmic Deal Hunter. <laughs> so I needed to bring her back because this was just astounding. And by the way, these individuals, if you're not following, you need to follow them. I, I will tell you, yesterday, Heather had an IG story about how to fix a DVD recorder. I've never even seen anybody do that. Hmm. I was just, I was, I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Like how many have I passed up? Cause the DVD uh, little thing didn't trade didn't open. And she knows how to fix. I, like, I would never even open one up. You open things up every once in a while. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, but anyways, so Heather was at a toy area at a thrift store and spotted a Yu-Gi-Oh card launcher. Nice. You know what those look like? Uh huh. So I don't know. I I'm trying to describe it, but it just, I don't know. It looks like something you would put on your arm and cards launch uh -huh. out of it. Is that what it is? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> it's how like do you a Spider-Man thing, but it shoots cards instead. Okay. All right. So now Heather has a knowledge base because she developed uh, this, you know, info from working at a toy store. Still, you know, it loves animation and has kids. And again, I do believe that if you follow, you know, whatever your nephews or nieces are doing, if you have your own kids, like you will come across a lot of money items. 
So pay three dollars for this Yu-Gi-Oh GX Academy dual deck, not dual deck, dual disc card launcher sold in four days. Now here's the thing: the comps were 150. She decided to list it to the moon. That's her new listing to the moon now. Yeah, that's pretty original. I don't know if anybody's ever like said that before. All right, so to the moon, to the moon. So Heather listed it for, to the moon. Sold in four days for two hundred and fifty dollars, and three to two fifty. And if I personally, if I saw this toy, go follow her, go find this Instagram post. I would have been like, yeah, this is junk. I'm not even gonna look this up. That is nice. I look up everything, man. That's great. Good job, Heather. Um, our next one is Shonda IG handle at Second Hand Hustle. Uh, so someone was throwing away a set of plastic nativity pieces. And one of them was a vintage 27-inch Empire Shepherd and Sheep Christmas Nativity Plastic Blow Mold uh, and sold it for $200, $200, and sold four on Facebook for $400. Uh, and the sale was at the end of February. I'm not 100% sure what that means there. But anyway, so... No, meaning that these sold after Christmas. Okay, so... Well, I get that part, but the... Uh, so one of them sold for two hundred, and, and then, then four sold others for sold for four hundred. Okay, yeah. so six hundred dollars total profit for something somebody was throwing away. That's trash to cash. That's almost this that is, is this is almost like we could. So so Shonda, you could you could probably be your own guru and say like you can just go to trash and make six hundred dollars in one day because you did it. And uh, those things do happen. Like this right here is a hustle. And if you're out there and you're looking and you find the right stuff, you can definitely get it. Uh, but that's why we call these hustles because. Uh, that's legit. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. What's your hustle? So, before we talk about hustle of the week, let's talk a little bit about one of our sponsors, Skull Shaver. Right, they keeping us clean, keeping us ready for the podcast. And so, if you haven't had a chance yet to try out these Skull Shavers, and and you're thinking about shaving your head and looking dapper, go to SkullShaver.com. Use our promo code Pure to get that discount. Also, thank you to all of you that have continued to support us on buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. It's been really awesome. It's, it's allowed us to step away and create more of these YouTube videos. If you haven't yet, subscribe to our YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and that bell notification. And if you haven't had a chance yet to help us on buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle, there's a link below. It definitely helps us continue to produce not only the podcast now, but YouTube videos to be able to help all of you and help others uh, that are looking to get into reselling. So really grateful for all of you that helped us out there. And if you haven't been following us on social media, we are Pure Hustle Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pure Hustle Cast on, I almost forgot, on Twitter and Clubhouse. You can always give us a call, 619-738-1170, 619-738-1170. You know, it'd be nice to do like a, a YouTube of like phone calls. I mean, not super long. It'd be like 10, 15 minutes, but some of the, like the most interesting questions or stories or something to that effect. Yeah. Just send in his, just, just voicemails, man. We want to hear some voices. And <laughs> we're just lonely. And if you ever want to shoot us an email, Pierce podcast at gmail.com. That's Pierce podcast at gmail.com. And like I said already, if you haven't yet, we're, we're continuing looking to produce more uh, YouTube videos. So make sure to subscribe. And if you're already subscribed, hit that bell notification. So you know when things are being, you know, dropped. Sometimes we might drop randomly. And then last of all, thank you for all the iTunes reviews. Really help us out. We're at the 400 Club and we're looking to get people into the 500 Club. So thank you so much. All right. Mike, what is your hustle of the week? Oh, man, you're switching this up. All right. Oh, am I? Was I supposed to share something else? No, no. It was, uh, you you usually do your hustle first. Okay. I could do mine. Yeah. All right. All right. Don't mess me up. Oh, I have mine, but, uh. 
I, I need to I need to give my disclaimer based on the climate of our country. So no, don't do that. Don't apologize. Don't apologize. Okay, no no apologies here. Okay, so I was sourcing at a thrift store. Now I didn't know that this would be as valuable as it was, but I there was some value. So I came across, and there was this Rush Limbaugh book from the 1990s. It was with the auto pen autograph. It was in the hardbound slipcovers. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And it was sealed and it was $4 at the thrift store. Nice. Now I found this about a month ago and I, th- and I looked it up and it was selling for 50 bucks and I thought, all right, I'll source it. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll pick up any book, right? As long as, you know, well, not any book, but you know, I'll pick up most books and I was good with it. And so I went home and I listed it and it was sitting there. And then, you know, I usually check on current events and news and I saw a notification that Rush Limbaugh had passed away. And usually when people pass away, value of items go up because people that find somebody endearing or a hero or somebody to look up to, like they want those items. And so, you know, we talked about this. We have a whole episode about this. So the moment I saw that, I raised the price to 250 just going, hey, I wonder, you know, if, if people really are looking for this book, we'll buy it. I automatically saw on eBay, like people were raising prices. Sure enough, within a half hour, I sold the book. Nice. Okay. So $4 into, I think I had it on sale. So it sold for like $212 plus shipping. The person was very happy to get the book. It arrived. No problem. Everything was good. So I want to let you guys know, because this is one of the things we're going to talk about. The hater myths is that people sometimes are like, oh, you're exploiting a situation or you're taking advantage. Listen, that individual it did not matter to them, right? That person greatly, you know, cared about this this person. They wanted it to have it in their personal library. At that time, it was no big deal. And they bought it and they're happy with it. If they truly were not happy, if they felt that they were exploited or that I took advantage of them, I have a 30-day return policy. They could have returned it. No return, no discussion, no comment, just a thank you. Really much appreciate the fact that this was available. So, that was my hustle of the week. You just never know, right? That at that point in time, it was just, it was just a luck thing, right? Came across something. I mean, it's all the people that had all that Kobe stuff. They had it for a long time. I sold Kobe stuff. I didn't even my Kobe stuff sold within minutes, just because I didn't know what was going on until my stuff started selling. So, you know, I'm not saying be on the lookout for anything, but just be aware that certain scenarios allow you to cr- be able to create these moments in time where certain things will be more profitable. That's good. Uh, mine is actually a weird one because, uh, um, as many of you already know, if you watch our show, uh, we are my wife and I are pregnant again, and we've got uh, another little boy on the way. And I didn't so, know a, did I know his boy? I think so. Yeah, we said his name was Titus on the episode. Sorry, I just I have a lot of friends that are pregnant. Look these at this. Days. This guy doesn't okay. even know. Okay, That's listen, messed up. Listen, that hurts my okay, feelings. Listen, I I are we was even guy, friends anymore. Alana? I was listen. I was the guy I'm having kids in my early twenties. Okay, I, I get so. It, so to me, it's like, you know, now everybody I know is now having kids. And so I can't keep track of everything. So I apologize. Honestly, you are a good friend, Mike. If it's not my kid, I don't care anyway. So I, I totally get that. <laughs> okay. um, the um, So anyways, we bought off Amazon. So we had uh, a coupon. It was on sale, like some kind of a deal. We had some kind of a coupon and something else happened. So we bought this like diaper bag. It was a Herschel diaper bag. And we ended up getting it for like a ridiculously stupid price with all the coupons and discounts and the sale that it was on. And we ended up getting it for like 12 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And it's normally like a like a 
$80 bag. And so we're like, this is sweet. And we got it. And it was too big. Like it was like, oh, this is, this is not like us. You know, it's a nice bag, but it's just not us. And so we could have returned it to Amazon and got $12 back, you know, but it was like, at that point, I just keep it for 12 bucks. I'll throw yeah. it away for $12. So like, let's just list it on eBay. So we listed it on eBay and we ended up making over $80 on it. Whoa. Right. So more than the retail. More than the, more than the retail. Yeah. Um, I, maybe the prices went up or that was out of, maybe they were like clearancing them. And that's why it was so low and it wasn't on Amazon anymore. I don't know. But uh, we we just listed it. And so the reason it's a hustle is because sometimes you can take items that, you know, are your own. Like you buy something and it doesn't work out. And, and when your first thought is, I wonder how much I could sell it for. Right. That's how, you know, like you're you're a reseller. Like this isn't just I mean, you walk into other people's houses. I'm sure everyone's experienced this and you're looking around and you're like eBay checking in your head. Like, OK, well, what would that sell for what would that sell for, especially if it's like a relative, like a grandparent or something, you're like, ooh, they've got to have some cool stuff in here. And you're like eBay and like their stereo system. Like, what does this sell for? Um, but uh, when you're doing that, even with your own things, and you're like, I should throw this out. What would it sell for? Right. That's that's a. And, and so if you're a hustler, you're always thinking about selling. You're always thinking about a way to turn a profit. And that's why it is my hustle of the week. There you go. So, hey, thank you to all of you. Thank you, Frank. I keep it underscore so real. Thank you, Heather at Cosmic Deal Heather. And thank you, Shonda, at Secondhand Hustle, all on Instagram. By the way, if you have Hustle of the Week on Twitter or on Facebook, even hit us up on TikTok, like tag us. Uh, you know, we'd love to share on it from other platforms. So let us That's know. Right. All right. Things are going to get heated now. They, they are. They are this they, is where I get really angry. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about hater myths. I got five of them. Okay. Now we're going to hit hard with one that, you know, may be controversial. I don't know. But the idea that reselling is unethical. And I'm hearing this more and more. Yeah. And I think, okay, so, so there's, there's that one and the next one I think are kind of closely related. Uh, so I think most of my heat's going to come on the second part, but unethical. And then, and we're going to like, like, like narrow into specific how unethical it is. But yeah, like a lot of people think of like, I mean, I've got lots of friends that are like, I can't believe you would buy toys and then sell them for more expensive. And then at Christmas time, people can't find the toy for their kid. And it's just so wrong of you. But if I were to walk into Target and if, if resellers didn't exist, there'd just be an abundance of toys. Or the other one that you get a lot of, and I see on Twitter, um, when I first, we very first started and I was like, all right, I'm going to do the Twitter thing. And I'm like, all right, see, how does this work? You put a hashtag and you search them all. Hashtag reselling, hashtag thrift store. And like, I'm seeing like half the stuff on there was like, can you believe people are stealing from poor people by buying at thrift stores and selling mm. it online? These scumbags. And I'm like, Ooh, people don't like us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll let you touch on the toy one. Uh, I'll, t I'll touch on the thrift one because that one to me has uh, never made sense from the beginning. Right. So there's several articles that you know, reselling has led to the gentrification of thrift store. Gentrification usually is is when uh, a wealthier population moves into the area and it pushes poor people out because prices go up and poor people can no longer afford things. So there's arguments being made about thrift stores concerning that. Now, again, this to me is a self-evident truth, just as it is when we were talking about the gurus before. All you need to go to dispel the smith is just ask a person come to a thrift store with me and let's go look through the racks and look through the shoes and look through all the inventory. And you will always find inventory there. Cause here's the thing. Resellers are not looking for the day-to-day -day items that people need, right? I'm looking 
for the Harley gear, right? And most most of the time, a person that isn't in a good socioeconomic place, they don't necessarily have a Harley, right? Unless all their money is going into that Harley, right? They have a family. I mean, even myself, I thought about getting a Harley Davidson earlier on in, in, my, in my life, even though I didn't know how to ride a bike, I thought about getting one. And it just wasn't, it wasn't in the cards. Why? Because that would have been a, a toy. It wouldn't have been something that my family needed. Right. And so here's the thing. I'm looking for Harley Davidson, right? I'm looking for, you know, Danner boots. I'm looking, I mean, what, what are some other stuff I saw? I'm looking for rain spooner Hawaiian shirts. Okay. These aren't items, right. That people in need are looking for. I have not seen a lot of, you know, people that are struggling financially wearing rain spooner shirts. Yeah. And, the, and right? that, yeah, that kind of goes to the idea of like, if you look through a rack, you might pick one out of every hundred items if you're lucky. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we walk into a store and take everything out of the store. And now somebody comes in and it's like, you can't find a jacket. You can't find a pair of shoes. Uh, so, so that's a bad thing. And the other thing is like you're providing a service, right? Because you're connecting people to things, right? You're, you're connecting people to something that brings them joy, that makes them happy at a thrift store or something like that. So you're connecting people to stuff. You're providing a service. And I mean, you wouldn't like, if you were to take it to its extreme, cause this really like reselling is kind of like in the middle of like these two extremes. And so the one extreme would be, let's say, let's say somebody found at a thrift store like a Van Gogh or I don't know, like some like really rare thing that needs to be in a museum or like some piece of history and they find it in the thrift store and they recognize this is a piece of history. They buy it from the thrift store and they like submit it to the Smithsonian and now like other people can view it, right? No one's going to say like you robbed somebody of being able to own this like Van Gogh in their house or like, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, no, like you're providing us, like you literally connected this item to where it's going to be most treasured and most valued. And that's really what resellers are doing is we're trying to find items that, that might actually be um, not valued and treasured enough um, in just to anybody. And you're connecting maybe a, a piece of, of history or memory or something like, like you've sold like uh, hats from old, you know, like a restaurant or something. Mm -hmm. And someone's like, I worked at that restaurant. I've, I've looked for this hat forever. And so you're connecting people. And we love when that happens. And if you're just, uh, you know, a person walking in, you want a hat, you don't care which hat it is. You're just picking whichever one fits and looks good. And so there's, you don't have that emotional attachment to it. So, so yeah, reselling is, you know, and you're not, you're, you're not stealing from anybody. You're just not. Well, and, and there's, there's this false assumption that these thrift stores have been created to help the poor. Now, there was a time when that was the case. And there still are and, some and that are like and that. And there are some that, that are like that. That is true. But the major ones that we go to, the store that shall not be named or the or or the Savers or or even the Salvo, all those places. I don't know. Salvo's pretty good. They're pretty good. But but they're using those funds to create programs to help right. impoverished people, right? right. So they are pricing things higher and expectations that resellers will come in and will buy those higher price items. Yeah, they take that money and they do something with it, which is the, the point. I mean, sometimes- So resellers are helping right. those organizations to continue to help greater amount of people. Right. So it's an it's an ecosystem that's been developed to help others. And so the argument falls apart once you take away that false assumption that, hey, that's what these were created for. They're created to create businesses that are nonprofit, but the profit that they do make allow for these nonprofit programs to continue. So as much as the store that shall not be named gets a lot of hate, and we have had some posts on Insta that have created some heated discussions, the store that shall not be named 
is trying to maximize the profits. And we can get into whole discussion about CEO salaries and all that. I want to step away from that. I want to take a look at, okay, they do create a lot of programs to create jobs for individuals that normally wouldn't be able to get jobs at, you know, day-to-day workplaces. And so in the end, it is creating a greater good by resellers going in there and purchasing these high-priced items that usually most people would pass over because people that want these items do not want to walk into a thrift store. So like Mike had said, circling back, we're connecting buyers to items that they're looking for. Yep. Very good. All right. This next one, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on because this one is the one that really frustrates me. So the idea that reselling is price gouging. And I'm just going to say right off the bat, um, I think unless it's extremely rare circumstances, and there's probably very few of them that anybody's ever really experienced in our modern time, there is no price gouging. Price gouging doesn't exist. And people think that anytime something is more expensive than they want it to be, that that's price gouging. And that's simply not the case. Like even, okay, so let me define at least my terms what I think price gouging is. I think the only instances I would say it's price gouging is if it's a government controlled program or a true monopoly, like a real true monopoly. And if you were to say the government were to buy all of the water in the, 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 the potable water in the, in, the, in the country that you can get, and then they were to charge you $30 a gallon for it, right? And there's the only way you could get water and there's no shortage of water and they know you need it to survive and it's just their way of, of, of sticking it to you. Or a, a monopoly uh, that comes in and it's an actual need. It's not just like, hey, there's this place that has a monopoly on, I don't know, like really cool fancy shoes and they're the number one shoe place and they charge too much. Well, if there's other places you can get shoes, they can charge whatever they want, right? I mean, because it's it's you're going after what you're looking for. Now, the reality is resellers are filling a need. So capitalism, I believe, is a beautiful thing because um, over time we've seen that you can't, no one in, institute or, or even a, a, a panel of institutes can really figure out what the the price of an item should be. Um, For instance, like a simple item like wood, like how much should a a plank of wood cost? Well, it's going to depend on what it's being used for. And it's going to depend on, well, how much wood is being used for making baseball bats versus homes and versus, and an agency can't figure all that out. So what happens is the market figures it out. Well, if people are paying a bunch of money for it for a certain thing, that value goes up and and it, it kind of self-regulates. But sometimes there's a gap in there where it takes a little bit of time for the cost of the item, the supply of it to 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 match the demand. And so resellers come in and we are a, a unique part of this ecosystem that fills that gap. So for instance, the common one people always talk about, there's a new P- PlayStation that came out or there's a new toy that came out. And um, resellers come up and buy it and then they price gouge, right? Like that, that's the one you well, hear even all the, the time. Pokemon, I mean, it, it, it all falls in line yeah. and I'll follow up when you're done with that. But yeah, pretty much right off the bat, scalpers, scalpers, scalpers. Yeah, scalpers, people are price gouging. Well, the idea is, first of all, this is this is a want. And if I can sell, if I can sell a, a Pokemon card, if I can sell a toy for a hundred dollars and Target's only selling them for $35, that means that the toy is not marked at the proper value, at least temporarily. Right, because if that's how much people are willing to spend for it, now if I try to sell it for a thousand dollars and people are like, "There's no way I'm paying that much," so so really, what you're doing is you're trying to find what is this? What are people really willing to spend for this? And people probably wouldn't be willing to spend a hundred dollars for it unless there was a shortage of supply. And so you're filling that gap of they there's a higher demand than there is supply. And so I am going to actually raise the price up so that the supply and demand intersect where they should do. Where they should where they should meet. That's the real price of an item. And so resellers fill this gap faster than retailers can do it, faster than a, a supplier can do it. And 
the reality is when, especially when we're talking about um, price gouging, because because we just went through the COVID thing, right? And so people got really upset about stuff like hand sanitizers or masks. When you say, and a lot of times governments have tried this in the past and it always it flops. If you were to say, you cannot sell things like this at a profit. We're, we're going to try and come in and seem like we're being righteous. And I understand the sentiment behind that. It makes sense to say like, people are starving right now. You can't charge extra for bread. Okay. You can only charge the normal price for bread. Well, what's going to end up happening is there's no incentive for people to fill that demand. There's no incentive. If if I can charge $20 for a loaf of bread instead of a dollar for a loaf of bread, I'm going to I'm going to turn whatever resources I have and I'm going to start making bread and I'm going to get it to people who are hungry because I can make some money off it. And people in other countries are going to say I'm going to start I'll do whatever I can to get bread to that place because I can make some money off it. Next thing you know, there's no more bread shortage and the prices start to drop. We saw that happen with hand sanitizer. We saw that happen with masks. There's just more hand sanitizer than I know what to do with. Like, right. But you go in a store, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But imagine, imagine if the government did this, and they've tried this before in places. In order to stop price gouging, you can only sell hand sanitizer at cost. So you have to be able to prove that your factory made hand sanitizer and it cost uh, one penny per ounce. You can only charge for one penny per ounce because we want to make sure that people aren't price gouging. Nobody would make hand sanitizer. But because they didn't do that and because, you know, there was like Amazon tried to stop and eBay tried to stop like resellers to an extent. But because factories recognized, hey, we can fill this need by supplying more. Well, what happened? Now there's abundance. Now the price of hand sanitizer, you can walk in and get a gallon of it for three bucks, right? Because there's so much of it. And so it actually filled a need because, because the idea of price gouging, if you try and stop and prevent price gouging, as it were, you're actually doing more harm. What, what resellers are doing is we're meeting a need and we're finding what's where does the place where supply and demand intersect? That's the real value of an item, the price people are willing to pay. And we're trying to get the item there as quickly as possible. Yeah, and even with wants, I mean, I think about the card market right now and Pokemon specifically. Right now, they've decided to do reprints of their latest, you know, I forget what, what do you call them, collections, right? Well, that's because they're trying to meet a need, right? They understand there's, there's a lot of collectors out there that want these Pokemon cards. And so they're going to create more now and it makes it available, right? And eventually the markets self-regulate. Right. Prices begin to drop and it's available for everyone. And Sometimes the resellers are the ones that actually take the, the brunt of that because they speculated wrongly and now they're stuck with a bunch of items. Oh, yeah. Which right. is happening, too. Yeah. I mean, right now, even the sports car market is, in some ways is, is taking a dip. There are certain cards that were worth several thousand dollars. Uh, you know, uh, two, three weeks ago, and now they've dropped to several hundred. There's some that you could buy that people paid thousands a year ago expecting the market to go up. And now it's not worth what they thought. Right. And so <clears throat> this idea of, of prowse gouging, gouging, it is, it's directly connected to this idea of, of meeting the need, right. Being the middleman. That's what we are. We are middlemen people that are trying to connect individuals with the items that they want. And we're driven by the fact that, Hey, we can make profits from this. And so we're going to go out there and we're going to get these goods to get them to the people that are looking for them. And everybody does it. Like the idea that this is just something resellers do. Like if anybody's worked in a, in a movie industry, you know this. And when I say movie industry, I mean like literally like theater. Like, and when I say theater, I mean like AMC, right. Or something like that. Like you worked at a movie theater. Um, so if you worked at a movie theater, a lot of times, I mean, I, and where I grew up that we even had a dollar theater where you can go watch a movie for a dollar. Um, and, and so it was like super cheap. 
But the popcorn is, you know, six fifty for a bag, and then it's eight 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 dollars. Which costs like twenty five cents a pop. And that's the thing. That's where they make their money from. So realistically, somebody could say they are price gouging. It's they're charging six fifty for popcorn and four dollars for for Coke. And literally that they're only paying for, you know, the cup and the bag and I a think little bit of price gouging though. But see, <laughs> yeah, just messing around. But but that's the thing, is if they were saying you can come watch our movie, but we're gonna charge you five hundred dollars for yeah, popcorn and soda, nobody would do it, right? Yeah. So they had to find the place where people would go, ah oh, man, that sucks, but it's worth it for the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's so nobody's looking at like at, at, at Target and saying, wait a minute. Target only paid a dollar for this shirt because they bought thousands of hundreds of thousands of them and they're trying to sell it for $10. They're price gouging. It's like, no, that's, that's, that's the point is they're trying to figure out what people would actually pay for it. How can they make a profit? How can the the supplier make a profit and resellers for some reason catch a lot of, of, of just crap for this when, you know, it's, we're doing the same thing everybody's doing. Yeah. It's econ 101. Yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty much what it is. So, all right. Yeah, I got heated on that. Sorry, but man, that really bugs me because it's, you know, people don't know. They don't get it. Free markets to the core. All right. This one, this one, this one I have a personal beef with because I have proven this and disproven it to people all the time when people say reselling is not a real job. You know, and I understand I probably would have. Fall, I did fall in line with this. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I was in college. I had a roommate that was making all kinds of money on eBay. And I'm like, why don't you get a real job? Right now, it's like, wait, wait a second. So there, there's an assumption here that money can be made. And so we don't need to go into this too much. But again, the, the truth is self-evident, right? If you are able to understand the basics of reselling that, hey, if I let's 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 just blow this whole like let's say minimum wage gets to fifteen dollars, which in, in in the end, right? If you, <laughs> I'm always a believer, if you're not happy with the situation you're in, then get out of that situation and find a better situation, right? Don't depend on someone to to raise a wage for you. Don't depend on someone to give you a better position. You be the owner of your own destiny, and then this is the same thing with reselling. Reselling allows you to make more money. And you will find people over and over and over again that stepped out of the corporate world. They got into reselling. They figured out the math, right? All you have to do, it's self-evident. You tell an individual, hey, let's take a look at eBay. Let's take a look at these items. Okay. If you go to the thrift store, you can pay five for these and you can sell these for 30, right? And if I just sell 10 of these a day, I can make more money than pretty much most people on average in the country. Right now, that money goes to different places depending where you live. In California, obviously, you, I need to make a lot more money, right? This is why I still live in a condo. This is why I, I'm still frugal because it takes a lot more for me to live in California. Yeah, I mean, price. Uh, I might post this on Instagram. I don't know because it, you know, kind of connects. But uh, prices of gas have gone up in San Diego. Um, what is it? The last 28 days straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're at actually running low on battery. I'm not connected to a battery, so we gotta we gotta hurry this up. Oh, we'll make it. So we're at 365, I think, right now for gas. No, it's 385, I think. 385. Okay, but again, reselling has opened up. I have, and I, this has been really anecdotal, but there's there's plenty of data. I mean, I, I think everyone in COVID experience of people that were really successful. You look at the e-commerce. You look at the data. You can find all kinds of data of this. You just Google reselling during COVID e-commerce. 
it's definitely changed things where now resellers that actually made out better than individuals that were working certain jobs during the pandemic. Okay. That's true. All right. This next one, after all the fees, there's no money to be made. Ain't wrong. We both make money. There's lots of money. <laughs> here's the thing. A lot of people complain about eBay and they complain about the fees on eBay, but here's the thing. eBay gives you access to at least 82 million active buyers on your own. There's no way you could do that. You can open up your website. You can open your your, your Shopify. You're still going to be paying for ads to get traffic to your site to be able to sell your goods, right? And so, yes, fees may go up. Yes, in this last Spring Seller update, which we'll talk about in an update episode, yes, more fee talk, okay? But ultimately, it still gives you access where you can make a good amount of money reselling. So fees, think about it. You're paying 10%, 12% on items that you're still able to make a lot of profit and able to sell to the wider world. That's good. And this last one, this such is close to home. There's more security in a nine to five. And I would say this is half true. I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think COVID has shown us that uh, there's no such thing as a hundred percent stable job, right? A lot of people in very stable businesses, stable industries recognize that, uh, you know, anything could upset the fruit basket and, um, and anything could happen to you, anything could happen to your company. Like th- there's a lot of things that can happen. I think what businesses do provide a lot of times is here's your here's your 401k, we're taking care of that for you. Here's your insurance, we're taking care of that for you. Here's, you know, they, 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 there's a lot of deferred benefits that come with a nine to five job. Um, but again, none of those things are 100% set in stone because even, even a union job in an industry that seems like, how could this ever go anywhere? Could find itself collapsing under a, a, a black swan event. See, I disagree. I think there's. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying, but I disagree in the overall picture. That I do believe there's greater security in reselling. This is why there are always buyers and there's always items that people want. And as long as you have access to those items, and you can sell them to the people that want them. They'll, they'll be there. And we saw that through the pandemic. We've seen that through recession. We've heard people talk about the 08 recession. In a nine to five, you are always dispensable. There is always somebody to replace you and you can always be forgotten. Always guaranteed. No matter what kind of work you're doing, right? There's always thousands and thousands, maybe millions of people that can replace what you're doing. And so to me, reselling is a go-to that can always, no matter what, even if I jump back into the nine to five world, I always know that reselling is there. I can't say with reselling, there's always a nine to five there for me. And that's why I make that argument. So, all right. So, hey, before we get shut down, I want to end this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check out American Bubble Boy. And as always, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Peace. Peace.